Alrighty, welcome back to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Teftabai. I'm joined by Dr. Justin Quinn and Alex Goldberg. We had a really special episode. First, in the first half of the programming, we're going to bring in, some people call him the Elizabeth Warren of NBA reporting, Sam Sheen of The Athletic 2. Um, you've probably seen some of his, his hot takes on Twitter. Um, so that'll be in the first half of the program. And then in the second half, in the Celtics Lab portion of the programming, uh, no relation, we'll talk to Sam Sheehan of the You Know Ball podcast, uh, fan of the pod. He's going to talk to us about the Celtics. So uh, before we get to that, let's talk to always professional, always insightful, Sam Sheehan. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Uh, um, gentlemen, thank you so much for um, having me on. These are, so to speak, troubled times. Um, yeah. You know, I am someone who has covered the league um, in probably the most professional and least ambulance chaser manner um, of anyone um, kind of uh, going through this. And it's really exciting to kind of see, um, you know, Twitter open up for me to get a chance to come back to the platform um, after I was erroneously kicked off um, and just, you know, kind of get a chance to cover this league, um, you know, um, for you, those of you who might not know, I uh, broke the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell um, story last year. People didn't want to hear it. They said I was uh, not sourcing correctly. They said oh, all sorts of you know nasty things to me like, oh, Sam, you don't have a byline. Um, Sam, the Athletic 2 isn't real. That's something you've made up to sneak in and get media accreditations to games. None of that is is true. I'm one of the top. NBA reporters, and you can ask, um, you know, pretty much anyone in my immediate family, and they'll tell you that that's the case. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you no, so much. Truly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Sam, I, you know, sometimes we, we won't agree today, but mm-hmm. we'll disagree politely, and, and that'll be our MO. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you again for your time. What we're going to do is we'll just, we'll do a scattershot around the league yeah, um, and then a, as a warm up, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of the ugliness that you teased off the top. Uh, mm-hmm. This being the Celtics Lab podcast, we'll um, mm-hmm. we'll talk about the Celtics. Time permitting, I know you're a busy guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Sam Sheehan, uh, what's your assessment of what's going on with the Los Angeles Lakers right now? So, I think this is another um, you know kind of uh, classic case of people trying to tear down LeBron James. Um, it's unfortunate because you see this a lot with players of his caliber, especially ones that have you know. Um, have such control of the media um, the way that LeBron James does. Um, you know, I, I think it's, there's a lot of things going on there, you know, like you do have um, Jeannie Buss, who I think is um, an exceptional owner, who I think is kind of getting a little bit railroaded by um, the fact that she is so above board, you know, she doesn't plant puff pieces. She never, um, you know, sort of tries to control uh, the media spin or anything like that. Um, so I, I think, I just think that, you know, it's a tough situation for a lot of people who have, you know, kind of to borrow a turn of phrase I learned on Twitter, um, you know, from my girlfriend, she's a, a witch in Bushwick, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, they've been preying on his downfall. Um, and this is something that, uh, you know, we're sort of seeing come to light here, you know, and it's unfortunate that, you know, the way things work with ESPN and a lot of these, you know, bigger media sites is, you know, if uh, if you can tear someone down for a couple of clicks, um, they're going to do that pretty much every time. And it's very sad. It's very sad. Well, that really is a great bridge to the next thing that's going on in mm-hmm. Brooklyn. Um, I was wondering mm-hmm. if you could tell us what happens next in Brooklyn. Well, I, I think we all you know, are are pretty well versed in some of, you know, the turmoil that's um, been going on in Brooklyn. And, you know, I I think that probably I would say uh, the the thing that I take away most from the uh, Brooklyn situation is how much, uh, you know, Utah Watanabe has sort of let his team down um, by not performing earlier. You know, he sort of if he was this good, why, why did he wait until now to show it? You know, if you Watanabe had cared about this team, had not cared about making a big splash about getting all the, the glitz and the glamor headlines, you know, he could have performed in a way that could have saved Steve Nash's job, um, could have saved Kevin Durant from some very uncomfortable 
um, situations and could have really lessened the impact of um, Kyrie Irving's suspension um, had he done this a little bit sooner. And I just think it's a little selfish of him to, uh, you know, do the glory hog thing of uh, becoming an uh, unsigned free agent and just coming in there at the end of the bench and, uh, you know, really stealing the show. Because I think that's all anybody wants to talk about these days is Yuta Watanabe and his increased shooting. Um, you know, for example, um, I, I'm going to be remoting into tonight's um, Sixers-Nets um, game. And I fully expect, I've asked to speak to Yuta Watanabe. I can't imagine I'm going to be given that opportunity just because he's got to be the number one Nets player that every media person wants to talk to at tonight's um, Nets-Sixers game. I can't think of anybody else they'd, they'd have um, in there. So I'm not hopeful, I guess I would say. Just a quick follow-up to that, mm-hmm. Sam. You know, I know yeah. Brooklyn Nets fans uh, around the league have been really mm-hmm. directing a lot of ire at their owner, Joe Sy, um, mm-hmm. for a variety of different reasons this yes. year. Um, do you think that the delayed emergence of Yuta has anything to do with his relationship with Joe Sy or any actions that Joe Sy has kind of taken as owner of the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> I would say that there is a misinterpretation going here because, um, you know, Joe Psy, um, you know, he unfortunately shares a name with Joe Brandon, who is someone who has also gotten a lot of um, slander in yeah. um, NBA circles. Um, so there's a there's a strong chance that they just might be confused um, with what is going on. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of it's Jover memes um, in relation to. Uh, you know, the Nets and, um, you know, Kevin Durant's trade request and the likelihood of that, you know, trade request to come back up. So, um, you know, it's possible they're just confused. I can't imagine anyone disliking a billionaire. Um, They're probably the hardest working among us um, and the least likely to be criticized. I mean, they're building jobs. Um, The NBA wouldn't exist without the owners. Um, They're the ones who are you know, kind of filling the stadium, um, hiring the people, um, in Mark Cuban's case, um, saying which uh, consumer products he would and wouldn't sponsor. This is a tough job. And I just, I feel like sometimes because people are frustrated with the team, they can really point their anger in some really strange directions, you know, and just, you know, like, it's just bizarre to me to get mad at a you know, 60 to 70 year old billionaire who earned that money versus, you know, uh, a 19 year old teenager who uh, absolutely you should scream at them if you're, uh, you know, a 34 year old man. That's a great way to they show take that it. you care about it. Yeah. yeah you, I mean, it, it just it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, you, you know, it, it, it's that that's it's just good. It's just always good to scream at teenagers, I feel like. And, and the older you are, the better. I would say, you know, I've gotten. I'm 33 years old. And, you know, while I have been um, physically beaten up by teenagers multiple times, I'm usually at the Planet Fitness, which unfortunately due to their no lunks policy, um, when I, you know, sort of would do, uh, they would let the teenagers beat me up, long story short, just because of, you know, sort of <sighs> me showing off on the squat plates and really you know, doing, so, yeah, doing some of the, you know, some of this stuff. So it, it's just, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, um, but I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, teenagers, um, you know, people say, oh, teenagers make mistakes. You got to let them make mistakes. No, this is how we build perfect humans. If you harshly discipline them and are as rude to them as possible whenever they make a mistake, I think this is how we, you know, how we build a, a stronger generation. <clears throat> so we should punish the nets is what you're saying. Well, I, the youngest members of the Nets, not Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. No, 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 not Ben Simmons. None of the, no, 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 no. Just, I, I, the less money you make, the better. I, I think you should receive more criticism for that because you're not playing well. You, those are the guys who are not playing. Why would you criticize your best players when other players aren't playing as well? It's, it's a really stern us. message for Edmund Sumner. I mean, yeah. Sam, I have, I have to disagree. I'm a, I'm a t- high school teacher. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's how you, treat teenagers. Um, mm-hmm. but, but like I said at the top, you know, we have to, we have to respectfully disagree 
Um, I think that that's the, the job that we have as media members is to yeah. disagree politely. Um, which... well, I, I, but you're not you're not divorced the way I am. Though, yeah, no, no, so, no, I... you know, like you haven't seen, you know, well, the, my parents uh, are divorced. It skips a generation. I think. Oh, right. Well, I, but you also haven't seen, you know, kind of the uh, the um, damage teenagers can do on a, a marriage. I'm not talking about your own children, by the way. I'm talking about literal teenagers. Like next door ones. Yeah, yeah exactly. That. Like, I feel like that's how my wife kind of fell out of love with me. I like there was a teenager next door. Are we do we curse on this podcast? Hurt Is people it, hurt people. Yeah, like I'm not sure if you guys are. Do you guys allow cursing on this podcast just for the the turf? After about ten fucking minutes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. So, so uh, the teenager next door said, uh, "Look at look at that guy's ass hanging out of his pants." And I, you know, everyone in the neighborhood is a cul-de-sac neighborhood. Everyone sort of banded together to come laugh at me. Um, and I'm a journalist, you know, so I, you know. Yeah. The fact that it wasn't true, you know, my ass wasn't hanging out, but still everyone laughed at me. Uh, that was very upsetting to me. And I feel like it kind of changed how my wife looked at me. But, you know, I, I'm getting off track a little bit here. This is, again, part of the reason why, you know, I became a journalist is because everyone's against me and I want to prove that. So, um, well, yeah. So, Sam, yeah, that reminds me of mm-hmm. um, someone who I, I think y- your style is a lot of like, in the podcasting space and that's Draymond Green. Um, can you talk yes. about his style and uh, the new media and wh- where you see yourself? Cause you kind of straddle the new and the old. Yes. I, the, the new media. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I like about new media, you know, the ability to um, say a lot of things without really um, there being any consequences. I, I, do, I really like that. I think it, you know, it allows people to fire from the hip and get some truth. Um, You know, and I think we are sort of living in a little bit of a post-truth world, you know, like I don't think it's people, you know, I think what we're learning is, you know, facts aren't necessarily inherent to journalism. You know what I'm saying? It's more about telling a compelling story first and foremost um, and telling your audience what they want to hear. And that's journalism. I think we can all agree that is the definition of journalism. What What's a little frustrating, I think, about the new media is it is being dominated by um, former players, um, you know, and I, I find that a little frustrating just because I think there could be a real opportunity for uh, guys such as myself who have really um, flourished in the NBA journalism space, um, kind of, uh, you know, not having been in a front office, um, not being being banned from, I think, 17 at this point of the NBA arenas out of the 30. Um, they did move from sleep train or I, when they moved over to sleep train, that, that reset. So I, can, I actually can't go back to Sacramento now. But the, the long story short is, um, you know, I just think that they got to allow, uh, you know, more talking heads feedback from, uh, you know, guys like myself. I think hearing from players, you know, we hear plenty from players at the media podium, you know, if, uh, and that's the thing is, you know, players, they give really compelling answers on media podiums, asking them questions right out after a game is perfect information dissemination. Um, you know, there's, you know, there, we just get to learn everything there is to know about a person from post-game press conferences. So I'm just, I'm a little surprised that that's the direction the new media thing has chosen to go. So yeah, to answer your question, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, you know, so. So is, it's the, new media, rare. is the new media thing going to be kind of like where instead of like players becoming podcasters, are we going to start seeing like podcasters become players and like. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I hadn't really considered that, but you know, I think you might be right. I mean, uh, especially because you know, well, I, as we all know, you know, that, um, you know, player minimums are prorated as you are older, you know, as you get older with the years of experience in the league. So I think that, you know, myself, you know, being 33 years old, that, um, you know, I would have been in the league for probably about 14 years now. So I think if, if I were to join the Boston Celtics as a, you know, a swing piece, you know, I, I'm not so selfish, Gloria, and I'd probably only be like the, you know, second best player, uh, you know, Sam, maybe you- third, um, Sam, so, you spent most of your athletic career. I mean, you're uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're six foot eight, but you were a swimmer. So uh, it was actually swimming. So it was actually pool Quidditch. Um, yeah, okay. You know, well, so you know, aquatic similar. Difference. Yeah, it was. You know, it's it's very similar 
um, you know, we had a big rivalry with the other Quidditch um, guys who had the brooms. You know, we called them dryland Quidditch. We were more transphobes anyway. So yeah, um, exactly. And we were, you know, a little bit, you know, we we were a little bit stronger. You know, um, just in college. Um, You know, I was the only. Yeah, we did kind of, we were disallowed from competition when they found out I actually wasn't in college. This was actually about three or four years ago. So I was, you know, 27 and everyone else was 18 or 19 in the program. They're very mad because I had like falsified documents um, in order to, you know, start the aquatic Quidditch. But, you know, you have, you live and you learn, you know, you just kind of make your way through and, and do what you can there. Um, you know, but I, I just think, I think with new media, we're going to get some interesting Take, so, so for example, let me give you guys a little bit of a story, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain on something that I've been investigating um, myself. Yeah. So um, I think we all saw, um, you know, what was taken out of context as a horrific ladder pushing accident uh, for Giannis Antetokounmpo. And it, it looked like, um, you know, to be frank, uh, you know, it looked very bad on, on camera. You know, you hate to see that. But, um, you know, as someone who uh, goes beyond and kind of digs beyond, I, I found that... Um, he was actually um, set up because of something not a lot of people know this about, um, you know, what has happened in Milwaukee, but a lot of Milwaukee's biggest injuries have actually come from players um, getting themselves into superstitious situations, um, curses, hexes, um, all sorts of, you know, minor things like that. So, did you, you know, learn that um, from your girlfriend? Because that's that's inside yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, she's she sort of helped me piece a lot of this together. But you know, like so, like uh, for example, uh, you know, so with Brandon Jennings, he's had a big injury. This came after uh, Black Cat crossed his path. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back in the day when he had his season and ending injury with the, uh, you know, well not season ending, but he, you know he missed some games. Uh, his was actually because he had stepped on a crack. Um, you know, that actually broke his mother's back and he had to be, go be by her side and missed games with that. So knowing that you look at the situation and now a Sixers staffer is putting a ladder right in his path. Mm -hmm. He could walk under that at any time. And that is, that is seven years, bad luck. That could be the the rest of his career is season ending bad luck, you know, for already for a guy who doesn't shoot a great percentage, you know, you had a little yeah. bit of bad luck on top of that game over. So I, I just, you know, there's things like that where there's a lot of this going on in the league where malcontents are trying to make, you know, uh, star players look spoiled or, uh, you know, uh, executives like they're uh, incredibly stupid and don't know what they're doing. And I just would ask everyone think a little bit harder. You know, I think we're seeing a similar thing outside of the NBA, but going on at Twitter right now, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, perceived chaos, but, you know, let's just say it sounds like things are well in hand from what I've heard. We're going to swing back to the Twitter conversation uh, mm-hmm. in a little bit, but, you know, one thing that it seems like you're painting a pretty vivid picture of the league here where um, there's kind of, there. it seems like there's forces like yourself and others that are really working to kind of do like virtuous activities, you know, uncovering mm-hmm. truth and distributing information accurately to the people and trying to tell them what's really going on. And then yeah. there's a kind of uh, the the duality of man, there's a kind of sinister set of forces that are also at work in the league. Uh, yeah. And I guess it's a journey, if you will. Yeah, and right. I, yeah, it's, it's it's sort of you know kind of meeting with the mother, the punishment of the father. You know, acquiring knowledge, very similar. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to like totally brag, but I'd say like if you probably if you had to rank, um, probably the most virtuous jobs in the world. Um, you know, I'd probably put like firefighter right here. Um, mother of children here and then sports reporter probably like right above that so you know that's the that's basically the one two three i feel like is universally agreed upon is you know number one uh sports journalist number two mother of a child uh number three firefighter so and then you know you go to the other side the evil the malcontents you know you have some of the worst but uh, number one teenagers um and all children um you know uh number two uh my wife's or my ex-wife's new husband greg um Who's, he's just he's evil um and then you know number three uh we have uh family court judges so those are you know you do have a sort of a duality here and i don't want to say that the sports journalism is the fight for the soul of america but 
I just, I don't know how else to put it besides that. You know, it sounds like I'm bragging, but it's just, you yeah. know, it is, it is a very important. It's a good start lived experience. You're being honest. So, yeah. So um, Sam, who yeah. in your opinion personifies the kind of villainy that's at work in the NBA the most right now, if you could pick one figure from the league as mm-hmm. kind of the avatar of dark forces in the league, who would that be? I'd probably Baxter Holmes. I would say uh, he's, uh, you know, uh, kind of a muckraker, you know, like he, he really takes the whole journalism thing. Like, you know, like it really warps the distinction where he's trying to, you know, he doesn't understand that the NBA is about sort of building relationships and, um, you know, sort of talking to people and trading, you know, access for stories. That's how it's always worked in the NBA. He doesn't criticize and, young players at all. Either. Yeah, he doesn't criticize or young teenagers. Players. Yeah, and he just, you know, he targets the hardworking, you know, billionaires, um, you know, for for their their slip-ups. And I, I don't know, it just, it seems, it seems weird to, you know, bring some of that, you know, quote unquote journalism into a space of sports journalism where it's, you know, really about everybody getting along and, you know, getting a chance to talk to players. That's what it's all about. So it just, you know, I, it's upset. I hope you guys, you know, I, I know he was uh, Boston adjacent, so I don't want to like step on anyone's thing. I, I just, I think of him as being kind of the polar opposite of me personally. Mm. So sure. if Baxter Holmes wants to come on the Celtics lab podcasts, again, we, we don't have to yeah. agree with our guests. Right. Um, right. I think I think I've heard you say some things that I don't agree with. I'm sure you've listened to this podcast yeah. two times over in prep for this, and you yeah, disagreed yeah. with us, and you know it happens. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I would just say, you know, I, you guys probably aren't disagreeing with with me that much. I would I would guess because everything I've said has been pretty even handed and, and normal. I, I, so, yeah, yeah, I just meant in the abstract. Yeah, in the abstract. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that's uh, that's pretty interesting. You know, we've got a pretty wild you know year on our hands here with the uh you know so that's you know that Giannis story is one that i've uh, really been working hard on um i also find it fascinating um the uh chatter around doc rivers being fired like that it just seems doesn't make any sense to me um doc rivers has coached a lot of high profile teams to you know uh, uh under four terrible series defining um blown losses uh so i i think that's you know that's pretty good all things considered for for the talent level he's had and again you just you can kind of see the machiavellian strings dancing in the background so well it's funny sam uh our next guest later in the episode is sam sheen of the you know ball podcast um so we'll have to talk to him about that because i I gotta say i really revile that man it's very frustrating because we have the same yeah you must get that twitter confusion all the time yeah twitter confusion um he's one of my biggest attractors um Mm. he's always you know he's posting a a picture of a pig defecating on its own testicles at me when i you know make tweets doing you know juvenile things like that when i'm a you know i'm a professional sports journalist and you know, I should be treated with respect, especially considering, you know, sort of my contributions over at The Athletic, too. Um, so I, so. I I know Sam from way back in the day with Celtics Hub. Yeah. Um, so ap- ap- apologies to bring up someone that I guess. So, yeah, no, forward, I, but... I don't want to I don't mean to, you know, get in the way of uh, you know, insult your friend or anything. It's just, you know, it's, he's, yeah, he's, he's not like a, he's not like a friend. Like, I wouldn't say he's a friend, but yeah. like, I know. Like, guy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so Sam, I'm going to, I'm going to pause the action and we have an ad read to do. And then um, okay. just because, you know, you're such a, uh, um, a big name in this space. I was wondering if you could do some promos for us. I know that, that that's yeah. like a little off the jump, but, um, mm-hmm. let me do the ad read and then we'll do that. Okay. Sounds great. Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs for football and basketball this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at bet online. Always your continued source for sports wagering information. Bet online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf games and events. Head to betonline.ag today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive that reward. Bet online where the game starts. Man, you got Sam. I'm a little starstruck. I was a little nervous there. Wow. Um, so, so if you, you do just great. a couple promos, maybe uh, that we could um, mm-hmm. 
we could use for our podcast. I'll put them in the chat, but the first one is you're listening to the Celtics Lab podcast, the best podcast in the hub, like whatever okay. spin you want to put on that. The other one would be, are you okay. ready for the Celtics Lab podcast? And then okay. um, just kind of right, like, sure. like a Zach Lowe Yeah, thing. So, so let me let me try this, okay? I, so, uh, hi, I'm Sam Shane MBA, and you are listening to the Celtics Lab podcast, uh, the best podcast in the hub, number one defenders of truth. Are Fantastic. you ready for the Celtics Lab podcast here uh, the number one no spin zone when it comes to the Boston Celtics. And then I'll just try this off. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of the Celtics Lab podcast, where I am joined by Bobby Marks. Bobby, how are oh sorry, that's a that's an extra bit there. So I, I'm no, but a little that. we, that's we a can run that. Yeah, I'll sure. say if you want to kind of edit that around that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Sam, I can't I can't think enough. Um I know that you know, we've already taken so much of your time, but we want to get into the kind of meaty stuff. So right, um, right. I'll swing yeah. it to Alex, but, you know, a little, uh, don't feel like we have to, you know, oh, no, speak no, no. at uh, that long length, you know? Yeah, up to you guys. I mean, I, I probably have the time for like, you know, another question or two before I got to dip out, you know, family court um, because of sure. uh, contempt of court and just, you know, some things we I saved, got into. We saved the best for last. We'll let, we'll let Alex yeah, take it's yeah. Just, yeah, family court, they give me night night dates now just because of all the contempt of court stuff. And, you know, they say that I cause a fuss and I mess up the docket. So, you know, I am going to have to run out for that, you know, uh, eight o'clock family court appointment. But I do have a little bit more time uh, for whatever questions you guys, or closing questions you guys might have. Well, so earlier in the pod, you addressed the kind of changing media landscape of mm. the NBA today. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that it's it's not just the NBA where media is kind of changing all over the place. Mm. Um, obviously, there's, you know, a big thing happening in the Twitterverse right now uh, with Elon Musk's takeover at the company. Mm. Um, and I guess I would put it to you, given that, you know, this is an NBA podcast, this is a Celtics podcast. How do you see the kind of changes that are happening in Twitter, how do you see those affecting uh, the NBA and in particular kind of media and players uh, approach to that platform? Well, I think it's, it's been great for me personally, just because, you know, I am a, um, you know, I'm one of the top NBA reporters, but for so long, I was not verified. Um, it was very hard for me to get verified for a long time. Um, you know, sort of the fact that I was running the athletic two out of, you know, my bedroom, um, you know, some, some of these things that, you know, they really put very strict. Um, I don't really want to say, no, I'll say it's sanctions. They really sanctioned me in a UN NATO style, um, not allowing me to kind of access the uh, verified blue check that I, you know, is so important to a journalist, you know, to be taken seriously. Um, so one of the things Mr. Musk did when he came in was, uh, I call him Mr. Musk because, you know, just to show respect, I normally don't do that, but that's, you know, just kind of what he's brought here. Um, bringing the checkmark style to anyone who could pay $8 um, has been really, you know, trans it's been, it's been great for me. Um, and, you know, I, it's really helped me I can only see my career taking off from here. Um, I've leveraged quite a bit of money, um, you know, you know, expecting that, you know, I obviously will be getting a six figure sports reporting job here any day now. Um, so I've bought um, all sorts of equipment, um, cars, uh, you know, nice Italian suits, everything like that, all on credit, you know, because I actually haven't been hired anywhere yet outside of the athletic too, but I expect that will come any day now, now that I have this blue check. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just basically put us journalists back on the map and really feeling good about, um, you know, leveraging our credit to the max because we know that, you know, it, we will see returns on it. A big part of uh, Musk's takeover of Twitter mm -hmm. uh, and kind of where things have gone there is uh, that he was frustrated with, as you kind of mentioned, for censorship and a perceived lack of uh, freedom of speech. Yeah. Uh, in online spaces. And I was just wondering if we could put it to you. Are there any players uh, that you've encountered maybe in your career that serve as a notable example of like people who are fighting for freedom of speech or, uh, you know, anything like that? If, if there's any kind of figures in the league you want to share I mean, that? Well, I, I just, it's sensitive because I know you guys are a Celtics, you know, podcast and I don't want to bring this up because I think the Celtics are probably the biggest perpetrator of censorship I'd say in the last uh, 150 years, probably um, in, um, you know, it's, 
Because I don't think Stalin ever really got to this level of censorship with what they did to Enos Freedom. I mean, this well, guy. I mean, Stalin didn't a, have a basketball team, right? He well, he didn't. You know, I mean, like if, if you're going to tell had, the story, you got to tell the whole story. Well, I, he was I, from I, Georgia though, which is next to Turkey. Right. That's true. That's true. And also, but you know, something else too is he was also, you know, Stalin was also a pragmatist first and foremost. And I think that if he had had Enos Freedom on his basketball team, he would have seen the tremendous double doubles he was putting up and. Even then, wouldn't have censored him because he un- would have understood that, you know, while this, while Enos Freedom's truth telling is a danger to, uh, you know, sort of the new world order and, uh, you know, business as usual in the NBA, uh, he is also on the other side of the coin, you know, a bucket, so to speak. Uh, you know, one of the best centers um, Celtics have ever had. And you see them paying the price now with Robert Williams out with injury. They could really use. Um, you know, Enos Cantor Freedom right now. So um, I hope he's doing well. Um, I'm sure he's working for a nonpartisan news organization um, that, that is of, of great repute. Um, and I'm looking forward to his career and seeing him bounce back from uh, this horrific persecution um, at the hands of the Boston Celtics. And, you know, uh, it just proves that it goes to show you that what they say about Brad Stevens, it's true. He's a demon. Do you think that the the Cantor freedom situation informs how they have handled Jalen Brown um, to say nothing of the, the substance of Jalen Brown's comments. It's, it's certainly irked people. And do you yeah. think that um, the Celtics are afraid to step in, in the, in the name of, you know, accountability and rhetoric because of specifically the Enos Cantor freedom situation? I, I, you know, I would say probably, you know, Jalen's position as a member of uh one of the most evil organizations in the world that is of course a players union um you know that kind of uh might have something to do with it you know i think teams are scared of the players union you know like uh players have been slowly chipping away at the hard-earned money of uh the owners for a long time in these contract negotiations bullying them um and quite frankly i think just uh players kind of have them running scared uh you know uh the poor owners can barely get you know a 49 percent part of uh, basketball related revenue. And, you know, you look at you know, Robert Sarver not endorsing the horrific things that he said, but he's probably only going to get $5 billion for his franchise. And, you know, that while he is, you know, uh, if these, the reports are true, a, a, a nasty man, that's, that's very sad to see a, a businessman only make $5 billion. Yeah. Quadrupling yeah. his fortune is yeah. really the fitting punishment, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's unfortunate. You know, you hate to see something like that happen no matter how bad the guy is so well, you don't mess with people's money you know sam sheehan mba uh, uh yeah. the athletic too we we know that you have uh, an appointment to get to so we'll end on, yeah. on a humorous note uh, uh-huh. joe Missoula. it's been pointed out that he chews gum pretty uh pretty regularly on the sideline do you have any yeah. fun habits that makes that you, you use when you're writing or reporting to like get in the zone anything like yeah. that um i'd say probably um my Biggest one um, is uh, buying cryptocurrency. I like to, uh, you know, sort of buy some cryptocurrency to kind of lock myself in. Um, I don't usually check it. You know, I don't keep up with it. It's more just sort of a force of habit. You know, I've seen them promising 40% returns. So I'll just, you know, I'll head on a lot of these exchanges and just sort of buy it and then put it off to the side, you know, kind of no matter what the price is, because I know what's going on. Um, You know, I have been locked out of my FTX exchange um, pretty recently. Um, I think I guess it gets a password issue, but I'm sure I'll yeah, get back to it. I've like heard other people are yeah. having that problem. Yeah. yeah, so I'm sure I'll get back to it um, at some point. But I, I am I am holding quite a bit of cryptocurrency, and I really look forward to getting um, a huge return on that um, in the near future. Um, so yeah, I, and then you know I can probably just move over to my Substack. You know, feel free to follow me on my Substack. I do post on there too. Um, you know, to get my journalism out here in the meantime while I am waiting for that you know top tier uh, NBA reporting job. All right, well, I, I, we set it off the jump. The Elizabeth Warren of the NBA reporting world, mm-hmm. Sam Sheehan. Uh, where can the folks find you on Twitter? Um, so you can find me. Um, I'm now uh, NBA Sam Sheehan is my is my at. Um, so I, I have switched around, but I am verified, so you can see that um, that I'm you know I, I'm in serious business that I've paid eight dollars a month to do so. So uh, looking forward to uh, getting follows from all of you. Cool. Uh, Man, really, really tremendous stuff. We don't really get 
guests of this caliber all the time. So yeah, Sam. Uh, but but you, you know, maybe maybe with people like Sam out there, we'll we'll start getting guests like that in the future. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to kind of you know raise the bar for you guys. I, I really appreciate you know you recognizing my greatness and having me on. So I really appreciate it. Sure, and we look forward right. to reading whatever you got coming down the pipe. Sounds awesome. Thank thank you guys. Thank you guys. I just family court calls, so uh, I'll be back in a little bit here. Appreciate it. Sure. All right. Really. Um, illuminating first half of the podcast. Now we're going to hop into the Celtics lab, what like we like to do. And um, confusingly, we're bringing in Sam Sheehan of the You Know Ball wow. podcast, uh, wow, a friend thanks, of yours guys. from Celtics land. Sam, what's I, up? I, thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. I, so you said you had Sam Sheehan NBA. Yeah, yeah so I understand that you get you guys bump heads on Twitter yeah, sometimes. Yeah, we're just yeah, – I, I find him – you know, I don't want to be rude, but he's a little buffoonish. Um, and it's just, it's very frustrating because he has an identical face, name, voice, and uh, recording um, setup to myself. So, yeah, that is confusing. That, I was wondering that really if confuses. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I can it's, see how that would confuse. It's yeah, rare that you encounter a doppelganger, like an actual doppelganger situation. Yeah. You know, life, and, and just all these aspects of our life are identical. It's really caused some trouble for me and I guess for him too. So, but. Well, um, you know, it's unfortunate that it seems like we've been double booked again like that, but yeah. <laughs> I'll just do my best to say that I, Sam Sheehan, probably do not endorse anything that that Sam Sheehan said at all. Um, he's a buffoon and a, uh, a just a, a, a not a good guy. So, yeah, it was there were some things that he said that I don't think Justin or Alex or I agreed with, but like, yeah, you know, he's such a a big name in the space that you, it feels uncomfortable mm. to kind of try to step be in. I just agree yeah. with everyone and then I talk shit about them later. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I, that's the, I mean, I think that's the move, you know, someone's telling you something where you just kind of nod your head and let them fire themselves out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so, Sam, Boston Celtics. Yeah. Boston Celtics. Well, first, actually, so mm-hmm. uh, you, you're on the You Know Ball podcast. Why don't you just yes. plug it off the top? Oh, yeah. So, uh, You Know Ball podcast, uh, as all Celtics fans will be very excited to know, it is a, it is a primarily a Philadelphia 76ers podcast. <laughs> but I, uh, I am uh, paid to be on it um, uh, with my, my friend Trill, bro dude. Um, we do talk a lot about the NBA. You know, we'd probably dedicate a third to half the episode to the Sixers most of the time. But a lot of the other times it is a um, NBA style podcast. Uh, you can sign up for it on Patreon to get all the episodes, uh, you know, one episode a week. If you're not a Patreon subscriber, but, uh, you know, feel free promo code slop you can sign up for underdog do all kinds of other things uh, it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun we've had a we've had a great time over there um and yeah it's a, an adjustment for me as a celtics fan to uh be in there because they are going through it they are having our season our celtics season from last year they are having it right now it's a lot of fun to be on the other side of that and just sort of floating above it so really delightful for there's something there for celtics fans i guess i would say it's sixers fans misery right now um, I can dig that. Um, yeah. Where are you at with this Celtics team? Uh, I'll give you any bite at the apple. Cornette, Hauser, Tatum, MVP. What's the biggest surprise? Uh, I, so, yeah, so, well, I, I, boy, biggest surprise. That's a good question. Um, honestly, I think my biggest surprise is, I, I hate to go negative right off the bat, but I just the way Marcus Smart has played um, kind of out of the gate, I think oh, is, I, I'm a little, not like disappointed, but I do think that that is, you know, because obviously there's been a lot of hand-wringing about the defense, right? I'm sure you guys have touched on this about, you know, what do we make of the defense? You know, Celtics are still, they were number two in net rating before last night's game. I think they've probably dropped back a little bit um, after that loss to the Bulls. But, you know, I, I've generally been of the opinion, you know, with the offense this good, who really cares about the defense? You know, it seems like they can kind of lock in. I do kind of, you know, Rob is obviously going to return at some point. I think everyone's counting on that to sort of, fix the defense, but I've never really been someone who thought Rob, I don't know. Like he obviously has a, a, a big impact on the defense, especially from a um, sort of making guys hear steps type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, getting guys mm-hmm. to rush their shots, you know, we just um, set, getting guys to second guess at the three point line when he's closing it out on them. But I've always seen Rob as more of an offensive lubricant than anything else, just with his catch yeah. radius, um, the way he moves the ball, all of those other things. So I am a little surprised that this is how it's shaken out um, so far this season. 
And I think of Marcus Smart as being much more like important to the defense, just in terms of connectivity, um, not making mistakes, uh, making sure everybody is kind of locked in and really quarterbacking the defense. That's been Marcus's role for a long time. Um, I'd say the Celtics best individual defender this year has been Jason Tatum. And I don't think that's tremendously up for debate. Yeah, no. um, and I think Derek White has been probably their best perimeter defender. Derek's had an excellent, excellent start to the season. Um, yeah. And like, I, I kind of just, you know, it's hard to complain too much, um, but I just, and I'm not really complaining about it, but I just, I would look for when the Celtics get to get getting back on track for Marcus smart to have a larger impact in that winning, like as the Celtics kind of get their guys back around a little bit more into form. Cause that's the other thing is I think Marcus misses Rob more than anybody else. Cause I think they might have the best chemistry on the team um, in yeah. particular with like from not even just on the offensive side, but just screening wise and, you know, their pick and roll game and all sorts of stuff like that. So it's, it's smart. Smart's <clears throat> defense makes more sense when Rob's behind him. Right. Um, Cause then gambles don't, look as glaring when they don't pay off. Right. It's interesting yeah. though, because, you know, I feel like Marcus, it, I, I think it's fair to acknowledge that uh, Marcus is not in the defensive player of the year form that he was uh, yes. last year when he was just a complete menace that you had to account for in every possession. Right. Um, but I have, I think kind of one thing that I've been surprised by and, and that I think uh, it kind of goes to the opposite is that I've actually been pleasantly surprised by how good Marcus has looked as an offensive player in yes. his kind of point guard role. Um, his assist to turnover ratio is way better than it has been. And um, he's making some pretty impressive high level reads as a kind of offensive player. So I don't know, it's, it's kind of interesting to juggle those two. And I wonder if part of uh, the slippage on defense for him has been a result of him uh, focusing in more on avoiding turnovers and being like a true floor general. And if that's kind of taking up some of his processing space. I think that you're right about that. I also think the recently revealed bone bruise on that ankle is playing at least some role in that mm. because he just hasn't been moving quite the same either. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's was going to be my kind of my next takeaway as I was almost going to, and I forgot that that report to come out that like, it almost seems to me like, you know, I mean, Marcus is always playing hurt. He's one of the toughest players in the league, you know, like, and we would just never hear about it if Marcus, you know, Marcus could get decapitated and he just sew his head back <laughs> on and go get back out there, you know, like, it, so I think that gives me a lot of, that's, I think the thing that I think I expect to improve the most, honestly, is probably Marcus's play and just sort of his role as a connector. Um, I think Hauser also, you, I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about this already, but like just his emergence really takes a lot of that staying out of the Gallinari entry. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> honestly, Excuse me. I, I think he's probably a better defender than Gallon. We could have expected from Gallinari at this well. point, certainly. Yeah. <clears throat> like I, yeah, I, I guess that's what I was impressed with. Is he's so big? <clears throat> I get. I you know, I, I don't want to make the comparison for like obvious reasons, but it reminds me a lot of Kelly Olynyk and how like he just didn't look like a good defender, but they also just by being in the right position, knowing what to do, and being big, you can cancel yeah. out a lot of defensive limitations. So. I, I think Hauser about time, you know what I'm saying? The Celtics got like a Struce Duncan Robinson off the scrap heap, like shooter guy. And I think it's really going to change their fortunes down the stretch. Cause I, I think he's an incredibly important part of this team and having a guy who's got that kind of gravity and uh, shot with that high of a release point that fast. It's just, it's such a weapon for Jason Tatum, especially uh, who, you know, always has people collapsing on him and who's, get you know making these outlet passes out to guys who just cannot shoot <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, how many how many assists has jason tatum lost for just <laughs> rimmed out threes it's got to be he's got to be a, among the lead leaders it's yeah it's brutal. oh my god particularly when like he was passing the ball to semi Ochelet and like yes baby grant <laughs> that was a really dark time just yeah. making like incredible floor reads and left hand hook pass in traffic to semi usually to launch the ball into the fifth row. That was tough. <laughs> yeah. Also Sam, to your point, uh, Sam Hauser's a sneaky six, seven, and he's a strong dude. He's yeah. I mean, Grant looks meatier, but they're, they're kind of similar profiles at the end of the mm -hmm. day. Um, just cause we talk about Tatum 
Justin, uh, Tatum might miss tomorrow's game against the Mavs with an ankle sprain. Uh, any word there beyond that? Any level of concern? Uh, it's not his wrist, so I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, but yeah, taking that off, he's been playing the most minutes of pretty much anybody on the team. And we kind of, you know, went through this last season where at the end of the season, he had no gas left in his legs, kind of didn't do what they wanted it to do. So yeah, if anyone at any point anywhere on this roster feels like they need to take a day or a week off, I think at this point, it's what we want them to be doing. I'm kind of also hoping that this would be an opportunity for Jalen to work a little bit as a playmaker. Um, Tatum is kind of the hub for everything. And in some ways, he, even though Marcus Smart has been playing really well in his point guard role, Tatum is in effect the point guard for a lot of Celtics possessions this year. Yeah. And I would like to see, uh, you know, I think, I, I think, Jalen's struggles have been a little bit overblown by uh, some of the more reactionary Twitter presences on there. He's, he's still a really, really good basketball player, but yeah. um, the turnovers are something that he does need to work on. And yeah. this might it's, be an It's not a ball handling that. thing, though. It's a decision-making thing. Like if you yeah. are yeah. going to the, the teeth of the defense with like two or three people around you, maybe consider passing it and then relocating instead. Yeah, yeah uh, I think. I think the Jalen stuff just comes from people kind of like getting twisted about what Jalen is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Are, like, are, are you, like, are, are you mad that he's not Jason Tatum? Like, fine. No, nobody is. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, like, I mean, he's a, he's a guy. I think what I keep coming back to is how often Jalen has shown up in the playoffs and yep. had really huge performances in times when the Celtics really needed it. And, you just you need that so badly. I I almost think there's almost nothing Jalen could do like in the regular season that would make me feel like really bad about that. Now I know the reactionary take is more it's more about you know trading for Kevin Durant and should the Celtics put Jalen Brown on the table and that's a whole other conversation you know. But I right now I don't really see any reason to talk about any of that stuff because the Celtics are doing pretty good right now, man. It's Without true. Rob, a lot of people teamed up. Um, pretty normal strength of schedule, you know, substantially harder than what the Bucks have had, for example, and they're just cooking. They're just cooking right now. So it's, it's you know, uh, hard to get too bad at anything. I mean, with the way it's really playing with house money right now. Yeah. I want to get into the, the teeth of uh, last, uh, last night they weren't cooking. Um, yeah. Alex, Alex and Justin, just the same question. Uh, early season surprises that we haven't touched on. Um, I guess I not think, early season. We're fifth of the way through already. Yeah. Still kind I, of early. Yeah. Okay. Early-ish. I think for me, the early season surprise has been that um, I kind of thought that the Celtics big man spot was going to be a bigger problem um, heading into the season than uh, it currently has turned out to be. I've actually been pleasantly surprised by um, not just Luke Cornette, but also just like Grant Williams, you know, and Jason Tatum playing uh, in the front court a lot more. I, I feel like, to me, their their front court depth is actually pretty fine. That doesn't strike me as kind of the biggest issue that this team is facing right now. I mean, they're not facing a lot of issues. You know, they're still the top team in the league, so they're they're playing quite well. But you know, I think um, Brad Stevens made some bets, uh, made a couple of gambles in the offseason with their center depth spot. Uh, and it seems like for the most part, those have paid off. We'll, we'll see how things kind of develop, but all things being equal, uh, I, I've been kind of pleasantly surprised by that. Justin, what about you? Uh, the thing that I'm most surprised about, and some of this is kind of why that thing that Alex was surprised about is actually working is the number of minutes they're playing a lot of players, particularly Al Horford. Uh, it's working great, uh, except for that last game when things were not cooking. Uh, historically bad performance from Al. I think he went for like zero for nine from the field or something like that. And, you know, his shots were good. It just, maybe the man needs a night off. Maybe he needs a little bit less minutes every night. Uh, I get that winning is important, but I'm starting to get a little bit worried just about the fact that the one thing that really, you know, and there may be a plan in place. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but uh, the one thing that was really a major concern in the finals last season uh, doesn't seem to be being addressed in a meaningful way so far. True. Um, Sam, the other Sam Sheehan was a little long in the tooth. So uh, mm -hmm. we'll give you a few more and then we'll get you out of here. Right. Um, any thoughts on 
Coach Missoula that, you know, you don't think have been shared out there before? I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm very charmed by Joe. I, I gotta <laughs> say, I'm, Joe has won me over. He won me over pretty early. I think the timeout thing is hilarious. I get why it gets under people's skin, but it's mostly worked. I, I mean, yeah. like, I'm starting to argue with the results, and I, I don't know. I think offensively, you know, like, I think he's successfully avoided what I think a lot of people were really worried about coming into the year with, you know, Ibe Udoka's, um, you know, sort of suspension from the team and, you know, sort of the, what everyone was worried about with Rob out and email, like, are the Celtics going to be able to hold the fort and question answer there in holding the fort. And it seems like Joe is a, just a pretty good coach, you know? And I think that, you know, credit where credit is due brad stevens vouched for him and it seems like he was right on the money and i think you know he's got a lot of buy-in from his players um which i think is huge for a young coach you know like because get you know especially where i think is joe literally younger than al horford or they're the yeah. same age yeah, like two years years younger. Yeah, yeah two years younger yeah so like four that's, years older than i am <laughs> that, yeah, that's i mean well that, that's just no comment. that's really impressive to get buy-in from players when they are on a peer level like that with you you know what i'm saying like there is not a generational gap there there is no um elder statesman doing the heavy lifting for you you've really got to be putting your money where your mouth is and i feel like joe's done a great job you know what i'm saying i think a lot of the adjustments he's done uh, it's pretty rare that i question his rotations that much um you know i think those have been for the most part, pretty good. I think he just did a good job recognizing Sam Hauser is good. I think he's did a good job identifying Luke Cornett should play over Noah Vonley and Blake Griffin. I think he's done a great job, um, you know, sort of finding a role for Grant, recognizing that Grant can take on a, a larger share of the role. And I think that's really alleviated a lot of the Celtics, you know, big problems. So I, 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 a plus review for Joe Mazzullo this far. I mean, we'll see what's, you know, if he if some decision or sub he makes loses us a Miami Heat game, I will <laughs> I will change my I reserve the right to change my tune and just absolutely become reactionary and very upset. But <laughs> for now, I, I love I love Joe. I think he's doing a great job. Yeah, I he's he feels like he's just Brad Stevens again. Yeah, like the same yeah. sense of humor, the same demeanor, the same yep. like uh, unnerving calmness. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Um, Okay, Sammy Shee, uh, six-game homestand for the Boston Celtics coming up. They just won nine straight. Like, what are your expectations for just how good the Celtics can be? Is is a nine-game win streak by far the ceiling, or can no, they turn I'm, around and do it again? <laughs> so I am an unabashed green teamer, um, so I just want to get that out of the way right away. Last year, I was the guy saying, um, you know, that the Celtics were going to be the two-seed, like when they were two games under 500. Oops. Two games under 500 last year, so um, – that was honest. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, yeah, sorry, I'm losing the light here. But I mean, you can go back and listen to. I, I was on podcast saying this, and everyone was calling me crazy. So I, you know, I, I do feel like I've got a pretty good handle on the team and how talented they are. I feel like this is right in line with where they are. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I don't feel like they're getting unbelievably lucky. I don't feel like they're getting unbelievably unlucky. You know, like I think yeah. probably the biggest difference is there was a giant change. This team is, has become a shooting variance team. Um, and you kind of live and die with that a little bit. I think their averages are high enough right now that that's, you know, not a bad thing. I think that's a totally fine problem to have when you're, you know, your team average is what, 36% or something like versus the 32%. It was, um, you know, in previous seasons. So yeah, I, I, I feel really good about them. I think, you know, I was concerned they wouldn't be able to get the one seed, um, and I think with Cleveland kind of announcing themselves the way they have, particularly with the Celtics' vul- um, vulnerability to Cleveland, especially without Rob and Rob's health concerns, I think it's going to be very important for the Celtics to get the one seed and kind of make that Milwaukee's problem on the other side of the bracket. So, um, yeah, I, I I fully expect – I think the expectations for the Celtics team should be, uh, you know, return to the finals and hopefully a championship. So I, you know, I, I think they should stay shooting high. I, I don't really see any reason why they couldn't beat the Bucks again, or, you know, I don't think there's any team besides maybe Cleveland. That's a particularly problematic matchup for them in the playoffs either. So. Cool. 
Yeah, they're winning. Except for the Bulls. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I said in the playoffs. So <laughs> as long as they don't, they stay in the play and where they belong, <laughs> Celtics will be fine. <laughs> Would be so, a, a traumatic 1-8 matchup, though. If it was a 1-8 Celtics. I, I don't want that. Somehow Rondo like comes back. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy just quits on the, he gets waved by the heat and comes and joins the, the no! <laughs> ghosts of, uh, ghosts of series past. All right. Yeah. The Celtics, 62% of their games, I mean, they're, they're 76% of their games. They're on a 62 win pace. That's pretty good and not unbelievable. So um, I guess we'll put a pin on that. Um, yeah, Sam, I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. Uh, and let me plug the podcast for you again. The, you know, ball podcast, um, aptly named, I suppose. We're not going to talk about the Jalen stuff. We've talked about it ad nauseum. <laughs> I just want to make it clear that, if it's confusing as a fan, if it's upsetting as a fan, we also think and feel that. And apropos of that, my next question is weirdly lighthearted based on, based on this zigzag. Um, right. Shelving some ongoing stickiness, uh, to put it, uh, underplay it. <laughs> yeah. uh, how much are you liking this team in the Brad Stevens era as coach or GM? Where does this rank as most likable crop of guys? Again, huge caveat uh, as yeah. an ongoing thing. I mean, I think one, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there have been more quote unquote fun teams. Like I think, you know, the punk rock Celtics of, you know, with Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder and Kelly Olin in game seven and all that stuff. There was a lot of fun to those teams. Um, the hospital Celtics also their mm-hmm. run incredibly fun beating the Sixers and five was perfect no notes but I just I I think the difference with those all of those teams very much felt like playing with house money right like with the the the, the Nets trade was sort of hanging over everything with all of that and we knew the best was yet to come the best was yet to come and now we have a team full of guys we have been watching for on the floor three years and the maximum 10 guys that are our guys like it really does feel like pretty much up and down these team this team you know i hate to you know i i don't want to get into like weird uh boomer um you know uh (laughs) platitudes about you know uh our guys and you know mercenaries and ring chasers and all that stuff you know I, i think those are all those conversations are pretty played out but it really is like a team that has been built very methodically very piecemeal you know what i'm saying starting with the classic star bedrock and Jalen and Jason having, you know, the soul of the team and Marcus smart having the X factor and Robert Williams sort of emerge, you know, having some of the young guys miss, but then spinning them off into guys who contribute like Derek white and Malcolm Brogdon, you know, and, and, you know, sort of having guys leave and come back like Al Horford doing his own hero's journey. If you would call, you know, meeting with the father in his hero's journey going to Oklahoma city. So you know, there is a lot of, um, I just think it is perfect. I, I think if the Celtics won the championship this year, it would be very storybook. I, I'm very much looking forward to that. I would be very disappointed if they didn't win the championship this year, which is, you know, a little spoiled to say, because if, you know, it's really hard to win the NBA championship, you know, all kinds of stuff can go wrong between now and then, but I just, it feels like this is the correct year for them. And as much as, as, as fun, as much as some of the previous teams were more fun uh, more enjoyable, more, oh, this is great, you know, all kinds of fun little things. This feels much more real, present, and um, uh, just, just it just feels like the championship is like finally ready. It feels like the, the, this group of guys has gone through all the requisite steps of bitter playoff losses, um, losing in the finals, you know, getting kicked in the teeth by the champions, doing all of it, get, getting owned by LeBron James, like all they, they've been through all of that stuff. And it's, it feels like they're finally, they finally got the MJ experience to finally put this together. And I think really be a very competitive, very strong team for years to come, even beyond this, you know? Cool. Nice heady stuff for November. Um, <laughs> As I, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, right? That's a pretty, pretty. That Bulls loss was hand. ugly, but. <laughs> yeah, this is how I'm feeling. This is how I react to a Bulls loss is a championship or bust. So. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you, Sam Sheehan, uh, NBA reporter at The Athletic 2 from earlier in the show. Thank you, confusingly enough, Sam Sheehan of the You Know Ball podcast. Definitely not the same person. Uh, the out of character, definitely a different person. Um, really different. 
thank you to people who my my chair went back to being squeaky so if you heard that sorry um yeah justin justin heard it the whole time uh thanks everyone for listening we have been teasing a giveaway make sure you're following us on twitter we'll do that probably after the thanksgiving holiday at this point so everyone enjoy the heck out of that bird and uh we'll we'll see you next week adios Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.